This is K-12 Tech Talk, episode 77. Tonight, we're going to be talking about what office version are you running, content filter, and how you handle those email requests from parents, how employees get new accounts and when they get new accounts, and what we're proud of from the last year. Have a listen. This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs. For K-12 Techs, real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from somethingcool.com studios, my name is not Josh because he's gone again. This is episode 77, but I got Mark in the house and our good friend Eric is here as well. What's up, Eric? They'll just let anyone in here. I know. We need access control locks on our doors <laughs> i don't know don't did i send up. you my yeah i sent you like the zoom thing that's like my personal you can get in any time too i think yeah yeah your you personal tweeted out i tweeted out on my i put on my twitter account and said hey if anybody wants to bomb this meeting here's a link and then eric jumped in because <laughs> yeah, no he's the only one that follows no us, us on twitter <laughs> it's fine no, so Josh is out again. Something about vacation, something about being tired. I don't know. Uh, I call it Corey syndrome, uh, but whatever. Maybe he'll come back next time. So we're going to hang out. Uh, so, Mark, this is Eric. Eric, this is Mark. Nice to meet Hi, you. Hi, Mark. It's great to meet you. I feel like I'm in the presence of celebrities. <laughs> Uh, that's just Chris. It's just me. Well, I, I was telling Mark, Mark was curious about Eric. And I said, Eric is like, he is me, but he is happier and friendlier. Well, yeah. Do you well, agree with that, Eric? No, I don't think anyone could be happier or friendlier than you. Well, see, so Eric and I, we do Midwest Tech Talk together. And when you, and Eric is usually the, or he is the whole school uh, since that very first year when we stayed at that shady hotel. Uh, awesome. But when Eric walks around the school... Um, everyone smiles at him and waves everyone from custodian to cook to teacher. I mean, everyone. And I don't know if it's a cult there. I don't know what it is. They also do that with Pate because as we learned last week, Pate just goes through and just shuts off random websites. So everybody smiles and is really fun with Pate because they know I don't want to get shut off. They all actually hate Eric. Yeah, really. Um, I mean, Pate and Chris are the gold standard here. I, I'm glad to, <laughs> glad to hear Pate on last week. Uh, yes, good to hear from Pate last week. Okay, so I'm just going to – we're going to quit uh, flirting with each other. We're just going to jump right into these questions um, because I do have a list of questions. Some of these were uh, – Josh and I had had I, I had sent Josh a random text about office. We're going to unpack that a little bit. Uh, oh, I think this isn't Boston these... trivia. That's not the no Boston of... trivia tonight. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. There are going to be what's the show? Ozark. Ozark trivia. Oh, for, for are Eric? you going to Ozark me? <laughs> we could. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of these was a listener email, but we're just gonna. I'm, I'm going to chug through this list and we'll see. We'll see what we get. So and it's kind of random, but that's cool. So again, coming to you live from somethingcool.com studios. Somethingcool.com, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, they are really into ruckus wireless stuff. Uh, I use some ruckus, not at my school, but at this little side hustle business thing. I do ruckus is good stuff. If you're into that, uh, hit up something cool. Something cool can help you out with your uh, fishing campaigns. They have some different solutions available uh, for that as well. You can get a hold of Jeremy uh, Porter sales at something cool. 
uh, com. So first question. Wait, uh, wait, Jeremy's still cooking dinner? I Not recently, actually. No. I mean, he uh, had no. some really good stuff. Yeah, I it don't know just, what's up. It's just grilled cheese. <laughs> there's no That's meat. It. Well, no, no salami, wasn't there salami? It's been a bit, Jeremy. And Eric would yeah. love a salami I, and I grilled cheese. Love. <laughs> I haven't had one, but that sounds great. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, I ordered laptops and desktops this last week. Um, and of course, uh, my technician, uh, is prepping up the image for that. Uh, and it hit me that we're still running office like 20, I think, I think we're office 2016. Uh, but I pay yearly, like I can do whatever office I want. I can do the brand spanking new one. Uh, so that just kind of begged the question of what office are you running? How quickly do you upgrade? Do you upgrade everyone? Do you just do new computers as they come in? Are you an Office 365 district? We talk about Google an awful lot on this podcast and not so much the Office suite stuff. So just kind of curious to pick your brains tonight. So who uses Office still? Well, I'm that's just kidding. Good. That's good. <laughs> no, but um, all of our, our front office staff and, you know, teachers still use it, um, especially. I think we're running 2019. Okay. Um, and that's, I want to say that's the Mac version, Mac 2019. Because your iPads, right? Um, iPads and Macs. And um, do you do I, any I'm, Windows computers or no? Not really? Yes. Yeah, so all of our central office and our front office staff still use it because of the, the Tyler financial product that we use. Okay. But so yeah, we're, we're, I believe we're on Office 2019. Okay. And is that district wide? Like, did you yeah. upgrade that all at once? You hit old computers, new computers, or how do you do that? I think we did it all at once. Uh, the summer that we uh, re-imaged all those desktops, we went ahead and installed Office 2019 on them. And then when staff got their new Macs, uh, I believe that was 2020, 2019. So it was right around the release of that. So it was just when they got new computers. Do your Mac computer, what's the Mac, what's it called? Pages or something? Like what's the Mac? Well, yeah, there's, there's uh, I, I think it's called iWork, which is Cage's Pages keynote numbers. So like, do they use that stuff too or, or do they just do office yeah so uh yeah that's one of the things that makes things difficult is living in a google world a microsoft world and an apple world is that you've got three productivity suites and they all do different things um uh, oftentimes teachers will live in word if they want to do a really good mail merge and then they'll go to pages if they want to do something creative because apple's got some really cool tools in there but if they want to be collaborative they're in google so it's one of those i I, I saw this topic and I was I was thinking I want I would like to talk about where we were going with productivity suites and uh, long term. But yeah, let's do it, Mark. But what are you guys? What office are you running? So we are uh, as as you've already mentioned, we're obviously a Google district uh, for our collaboration, but we do have Office three sixty five available, and they can download. Our staff can download. Um, we do not image. I mean, most of our staff are on Macs, but it's the same thing as Eric mentioned, our back office staff, the front, the, anybody basically using our financial systems on a PC. Um, and we make the office suite as a self-service. So you're going to download the latest version. You're going to do it from the cloud. So we don't necessarily uh, put it on the computer when you first get it. Okay. And then when people ask, oh, where's office? We say, well, what about Google? And then uh, if they really insist on it, we, we obviously let them know where they can go to download it. But, um, but to your point, Eric, I think the challenge doesn't matter if you're a Google or Microsoft district. I, I I worry about the cross-platform issue where you have some people on one platform and some people mm-hmm. on another. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine to make them both available, but I do think in terms of your 
document sharing and Gmail or email and calendar, like that has to be one platform. Right. You can cross and do both at the same time, but then you do need to figure out what's our primary platform and try not to emphasize the other. So right. It's for, yeah. you know, for us, Google or Microsoft is available, but we try not to emphasize that one and make that the default option that people go to since we're a Google collaboration district. Do you pull the option for using iWork or if your most of your teachers have Macs? Um, do you discourage the use of that? I don't, I don't think we encourage or I don't think we need to discourage. It just doesn't get used. Um, yeah. yeah. We, and, we do you, like, go ahead. Anytime you bring Apple and they want to train you on all of their... Uh, their productivity suites, which, which is good. There's some really great tools in there, but I, I'm with you, Mark, in terms of usability, people just go towards Google because of the, the ease of use. And then when they need more features, they end up at Microsoft. And that's when we do the same thing. We offer it as a self-service download. Um, And that's usually what ends up happening is they get it out of there. I don't think I don't think that one is better than the other. I think everybody has their opinions as to whether or not they're going to write in a Google Doc pages or a Word document. I think for the vast majority of the population, the features that you use are exactly the same in all of them, maybe just in a different place. But I think as a district, we need to decide what is our core and mm-hmm. try not to confuse people. I've talked to people who have multiple collaboration platforms and, well, this group uses Office and this person, this group uses Google. It's just... It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for people losing documents and not getting stuck or not, right. not getting uh, everybody in the one in one place. So yeah, it's all the more places to have people backing things up or yeah. Um, yeah. That's I didn't even think about backups, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it's on device. So we give um, our employees office installed. Um, and it sounds like we're behind on what version we push out. We need to, we need to fix that. Uh, but then students, uh, I mean, they're Chromebooks, so they're, they're Google stuff. But then we, it was funny and it's been going on for a couple of years. So we have a technology scope and sequence. And that's from way back when, when we started doing one-to-one and, and prior to that. But we, we especially saw it when we introduced Chromebooks to the high school. They were first. And we had all these kids that were coming over to the high school with Chromebooks and one-to-one. And we realized like some kids, not very many, but some don't know how to whatever, right-click or don't know how to make uh, a document well. Uh, And the scope and sequence was very much for Microsoft Office. uh, And it didn't have words like collaboration in there. It didn't have like generic terms like word processing. Uh, So we made this scope and sequence so that every year when we use the computer lab teacher and we use the homeroom teacher in the elementaries, uh, we we make sure that they're getting particular technology skills as they're moving up uh, from kindergarten all the way until they hit high school. Well, then we got to high school and there was this, we were all in on Google. And then the reality is, is like our local community college and, and reality of businesses, there's still a whole lot of Microsoft Office going on. Mm-hmm. So whereas we did the correct thing to get generic with word processing, and I do believe a kid can mess around in a Google Doc and he can fiddle around with Word and going to be okay. But we introduced Office 365 back to our high school kids that take like uh, the computer, the, like the micro applications class. So mm-hmm. they get Office 365 only while they take that class. And then we turn their account off after they leave because we were, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that way we, we have picked Google as this is how you're going to submit your assignments. And this is how you're going to make things in our school. But while you're taking this class, we're going to teach you Word and PowerPoint and the whole bit. But I really worried about like stuff getting saved in 
uh, OneDrive and or kids collaborating in Office 365 land. And I'm not well acquainted with tracking right. them or backing that up or doing good with that because my life is Google. Because if, you, if you've got a content filter or reporting system that's going to Google, then you got to be thinking also, are we pulling things for reporting sentiments in 365 as well? Yes. Yeah. And I'm not like yeah. Google's where all my money goes for all of those tools for sure. Yeah, and so, I, and I, I get it because I think I, you're, you're always going to come across somebody who has a strong preference towards one or the other. But the second that you start to have that on a systemic basis where you're yeah. having whole schools, whole groups of students using a different platform or half on this platform, half on that, you, you lose out on so much. I don't, I don't care which one it is. I, I, I look at the Microsoft suite and the Microsoft environment and say there's some really, really cool stuff in there. But I don't want to have one foot in one platform and one foot in there. Mm-hmm. Really, and they're also feature packed and you can do great things with all of them. And I think it's kind of what you're speaking to there, Mark, is that um, you spread yourself too thin. You got a dog going there? Who's that? I don't know, guys. It's it's part of the bit with the pod, it's, I think. <laughs> I'm playing the dog sound. I wasn't told there'd be a dog. Is that from Mark's soundboard? No, no. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> this is usually, oh man, if I had only a recording of Josh going, Chris, shut your dog up. <laughs> that works oh man hey so i have a little bit of office version trivia for you guys but you didn't expect me to come with trivia ready you ready what year was clippy introduced 1987 1996 oh sorry mark didn't let you guess 96 <laughs> it was in office 97 sorry mark sorry mark <laughs> yeah this isn't your we show knew you couldn't get it <laughs> Um, sorry, this is from windowsclub.com. So I'm taking this as an authority, right? Um, what was the most used Microsoft version ever? Microsoft 3.1. Oh, that's, that's a good guess. So isn't that the operating system? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, you were talking office? office? We talking OS? No, I'm, I'm talking most used Microsoft office version. Okay, hold on. Oh. Yeah, let me, I, I didn't hear that. Okay, correctly. so think back to high school, maybe, or college. What did you use? I don't know. I don't know the version. Oh, it was, like it was probably ahead. the one with the one with Clippy. So was that 97? It's, it's after Clippy. According, according to, again, according to windowsclub.com, uh, <laughs> Office 2003 was the most used version ever. And everyone held on to it until they were forced to upgrade in 2010. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those are my only two tidbits. 2010, 20. 2010 is when that user interface changed a lot, right? Big time. Yeah, big time. But if you were uh, brand spanking new to Office, 2010 made tons of sense. Uh-huh. Like new doc, click on a picture of a new looking doc. Uh-huh. But for everybody else, you want to click file new because that makes sense to you. I still right. do. I still want to click file new. Okay, one more question about this. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm not boring everyone. Uh, what year did Office uh, integrate cloud? Chris, I you're go- going to have to edit all the silent... <laughs> I got it. I can. I, I figured out audacity last episode since Josh has been bailing. 2010. 16. 2013. Damn. I think it was like right around when Google Docs was starting to first come out. And uh, I don't know if Microsoft was like, oh, wait, cloud? Let's do this. And so. let's call it. Where do they come up with that? Yelzer. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, let's call it that. I'm going to bookmark this. If I need to make a, a soundboard out of Chris, the last 30 <laughs> seconds is enough. Yes, okay. please. Any- <laughs> I'm really good at saying 
uh, words wrong. Like, how do you say, we've talked about this, Meraki? Meraki? I, I say Meraki. I, I use both interchangeably. Okay. Meraki, Meraki. Sure. Hey, you guys are both Merakis, right? Me? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Never oh, no. mind. Are you, you in mis- it? Are, you're I don't, in I don't know. So can I you, take I don't know if I can talk about this. I don't know if they're a sponsor. So you can say Josh isn't here. Josh does oh. always does that stupid thing. Link, you're using Linksys in all your costumes. Yes, uh, Belkin. <laughs> Are you extreme Arrowhive? Arrowhive? Uh, Arrowhive Extreme uh, on our APs and uh, HPE for switching. Okay, HPE, great. A proud yeah. sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Ding, ding, ding. The other guy is not a sponsor, but they're still cool. They're fine. Meraki, also not a sponsor, but HPE Aruba, uh, very supportive since the early days of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. My 500 series APs have shipped. We have an install date for July. We're pretty excited. Finally. Finally. It took Provision Data Solutions a little bit to get those in stock, but I understand it's going on globally. I get it. I'm not upset. Uh, And we've been giving them our spreadsheets of where they're going to go to do all these uh, AP installs. It's going to be great. It's going to be this wonderful. last minute has just been packed with sponsorships. We try to kill them all at once. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that we don't like all the sponsors that we have. We love being NASCAR. All right. Next question. Content filter. We should get uh K12 tech Tuck podcast, like jacket with patches. And every time I get a new For sponsor, the sponsors? a new patch. Yeah. Kind of like a Letterman jacket. Yes. Yeah. I love I like it. it. Hey, I, 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 well, should I talk about this? I don't know. I told Josh, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're doing it. It doesn't matter. I, are NFT still cool? Um, jury's still out. It seems like. I think really I'm going to make a people. K-12 Tech Talk podcast NFT. Okay. And we're going to put it out there. And if you buy it for whatever it's going to be, then once a year, you can be a guest for sure on an episode. And then for sure, once a year, we'll ship you like shirts and stuff. So for, for, for eternity. Two, two hundredths of a penny, you can be a guest on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin, Ethereum, and now's the time to buy. Are you guys into crypto? No. Well, yeah, hey, why doesn't K twelve Tech Talk just create their own crypto? A great idea. And we recorded it. We're gonna have documentation. Josh, Josh is gonna listen to this and go, "I am never leaving them alone again." Remember when Eric had that idea and we recorded it? And this is when everything. <laughs> and then and Josh no longer has a place on this podcast. So anyway. Josh. NFT, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. We got to get trendy. Yeah. Did I tell you guys I met a guy that bought an Ethereum rock? No. Has that been talked about on the pod? Still hasn't even finished that question. I know. Hey, I met a guy that bought an Ether rock, Ethereum rock. I don't know. He spent $20,000 on it. And like a couple of days later, he sold it for like 1.2 million. I met him. I looked at him in the eyes. And he was one of our third grade students. <laughs> it's my son. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> we need we need Josh. There's a reason that we have Josh. I mean, we have an agenda, and it's we do, just, and we don't normally have agendas. It's, I apologize. It's, it's a great <laughs> All right, agenda. Question number two: Content <laughs> filter or email requests? Do you ever get uh, parents with, "Hey, what's my kid been looking at?" Or parents saying, hey, my kid's been talking to another kid. I want to see it. Uh, in either of those scenarios, how do you handle that? Uh, what do you do? Oof. I think Mark should go first. Uh, I This is a tough question. So I think this builds off of our conversation last week about, or a couple of weeks ago about filtering and you know what's the role. Um, 
it, it, yes, we, we do get those questions from parents. I'd say most of the questions filter in through the schools. The parents are going to go to the child's school and the school is going to come to us. So I don't have too much interaction with parents, but I have, especially over the pandemic, had, you know, multiple conversations with families about blocking websites and, you know, what can we do? What can't we do? Um, and it's, man, it is, it is really hard because it goes back to that age old conversation that we've had many times before. What's the role of technology department versus the parent or the school. So I don't think I have a, a solid answer as to what we do when we get, receive complaints from parents. But I will say that one of the first things I say is, hey, some of these tools that you're asking us for, you, especially YouTube, are used very, very heavily in classrooms. And so we can't necessarily, you know, wholesale block a tool that we do know is as instructional. Mm-hmm. In terms of digging up, like what's my browser history and what's my uh, chat look like? I think the logs that we get of like our filter are so unfriendly uh, that it takes a rocket scientist to actually figure out what's going on. I agree. So I, I think that's, uh, we, I don't know if we've ever gotten to a point where we've had to send browser logs to a school or a family, but we have worked directly with a school. And and I think that's the, the tough part for us is that we've moved from more of like propeller heads, you know, here's what's going on to like actually working with schools and helping them work through investigations. And that takes a lot of time, but it involves us going through logs and translating what we're seeing to the school. And then hopefully the school can have a good conversation with the family about next steps. Yeah. I, I think that's a good approach, good approach, Mark. And I think what you're saying is uh, resonates with me and, and how we handle things that there's no set policy necessarily for how we pull that dog again. Um, But what, what I have found is our content filter has a really useful tool that parents can receive a distilled version of browser logs. So if they call in saying like, I'm really concerned about what my my child's looking at, it's real easy for me to just sign them up for that so that they get weekly reports about their, their kiddo. And do you um, sign, are they, do they already have that account that they could have already had done that? Or do you sign it up kind of like as it comes? So I sign them up as they come. Okay. And it's mostly for the reason Mark's talking about. I, it's hard to, for parents to get those logs and understand exactly what's going on. And so that really comes with a conversation between me and the parents saying, Hey, you're going to see a lot of things on here. It might be reaching out for ads or something like that. But like your kid's not getting on Facebook every three seconds. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the difficult thing to try to tell parents that, Hey, this is going to look like they're going to a lot of these sites, but they're not. Um, but that's been really useful to help build a relationship with those parents who want that information and, and, and want to know what their child's doing on the device. And, and some of it is a good opportunity to explain to them, Hey, at night at home, put it in your room or, don't let the kid go to bed with the device if you're concerned about that. There's some real simple low-tech solutions to, to how sure. to handle what your kid's doing on their device. We, and usually it's been filled, like usually you usually the hope is that the building is who is dealing directly with the parent and that, you know, I'm not privy to all the backstory and all the conversation. I'm just moving data, I'm moving a report or whatever. Uh, but we do tell the parent, I mean, they have the, the right I mean, they can just log into the kid's Chromebook at home and look at the mm-hmm. history. If they can log into the kid's email, look at the email. But if they feel like things are missing, uh, that's when it's come up before. Like they feel like their kid's doing something or was involved in something and they're not seeing it. Uh, so we'll pull stuff occasionally. Uh, I try to, it's not the right phrase probably, but dumb it down. Like mm-hmm. here's the search terms that were used uh, and not show all the traffic. We do not do anything currently where... Uh, a parent can log into our content filter portal uh, 
I've been pretty, I guess I, I've been the one that's been pretty, I, 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 I'm a communicator, but I don't really like communicating with parents. Uh, that's, that's, I want, I think the building should do that. I think the principal should do that. I think the teacher should do that. Yeah. Uh, so I've just worried about when I open that up that, okay, now the building's going to send me the, Hey, I can't get into the content filter parent portal. Right. And then I'm breaking and down those things, but there's a lot of, a lot of problems there making us disciplinarians and also us, the communicators um, that I, I really do agree with that, that it has to come through the, the building. Well, what That's you're doing, unified. Eric, I mean, content filter solutions in K-12, they're offering that like mm -hmm. parent portal is a popular yeah. thing with content filters right. now. Well, and even the right. language that we, you, you use, like I, I, it's not uncommon for me to get it from a school, reach out to, to me like, hey, I think these two kids are bullying or like, I think this kid has done X, Y, and Z or has searched for something. Can you take a look? And the difference between, you know, when you don't see anything or you don't see any bad behavior, I don't see any, I don't see any bullying going on between the students, two students. The difference between the phrase, they're not bullying each other is different than I don't see any evidence of this happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing too, is like, there are massive amounts of logs, like our systems pull out together, you know, huge reports, just 30 seconds of activity on a Chromebook or a, a Windows device is going to have massive amounts of logs because of all the ads and stuff they're pulling. So part of it is you have to phrase it correctly to the parent to not mislead them into saying, or misinterpreting that 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 data. And so I try mm -hmm. to avoid saying this is not happening. I try to use the phrase, I don't see any evidence of this, or I don't see any evidence of this, or here is something that looks interesting or looks different, not like this student has done something wrong. This looks different, or this looks like a website that the student was not using for school. It's just You just have to be very, very careful with your language and try to be as neutral as possible and then allow the school and the parent to interpret that however they This is like group therapy with Mark. I feel so much better now. Oh. I do. I agree. I feel like a weight off my chest, Mark. <laughs> now, hold on a second. In reality... <laughs> Does this happen every time? No. Sometimes I'm like, you should see what your kid is doing right now. They are right. bullying the heck out of me. I mean, other people. <laughs> no, I but I, I, I can I can preach all I want. I could say, here's how it should be done. But the reality and like sometimes I, I've had parents screaming at me saying, turn YouTube off. My child is addicted. Yes. So yeah. we were no, doing no. Uh, we were doing Chromebook collection. Uh, and one of my, and I, I, I do have pride that I get to say that we do this. When we do Chromebook collection, the tech department is very much involved and we go and visit the buildings. And that's, I like being the one that the kids see as the Chromebooks getting collected. That's one of the few times I'm actually out and about, like really amongst the children. Uh, so we're at the high school and we're collecting Chromebooks and, you know, we, uh, they walk up. So it's been, we, we, we have them kind of walk through this thing and they kind of get their Chromebook cleaned up. They get their ID card pulled and blah, 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 blah. And it makes it. There's different lines, but I handle one of the lines and it comes to me and I always ask, uh, is there anything, have you had any problems with the Chromebook? And this kid was like, yeah, the tech department's been blocking websites I like. <laughs> and completely like he knew who I was. I felt bullied, like absolutely. Anyway, that was off track. I apologize. Here we go. Get Question number it. three. This one's good. Number three. Yeah, this one's plaguing me. Yeah, when three. do employees get accounts? New employees? Yes. Yeah. I want to vent. Oh, man. Go, We're go all right ahead. wringing our hands. 
And here's the deal. I had an administrator, um, one of our superintendents came up to me. He's like, when are you going to create our new employees accounts? And, and, and he showed me an email from another school district who had already created an, uh, an oh, account for an, uh, an employee. And that was back in, in May. I was like, wait, whoa, yeah, so whoa. what's your deal, Eric? Uh, hang on. Well, before I go on, tell me when you guys create accounts. Uh, when a teacher reaches tenure after three years, uh, then we allow them to <laughs> use the internets. <laughs> I go ahead. Who, who's going to go first? No, go Chris. Okay. So traditionally, um, but in recent years, tradition has been messed up. Traditionally, it has been uh, the beginning of July within the two weeks uh, of July. That's when dust has typically settled. And we kind of know who's going to be in what position come August. Uh, and I'll start pumping out account creation. Uh, I've always received pushback uh, on that. Uh, in the last couple years, we've tried to make accounts um, sooner. And we'd usually put some kind of PD with it, like get them into the school. And if and that's even like a June, July thing, uh, where typically we do new teacher PD in August. We pushed it back sooner so that I can make the Google account because I have some confidence that we've trained on all things. Because what sucks is when you give accounts and then they're trying to do things because they're excited. And that's a, a wonderful thing for a new employee to come in and be excited about their position and the impact they're going to have on kids. And I love that teachers come in and they're excited. But when they haven't received any ounce of PD, they don't know our school district's way of doing things. Uh, and that's when things get off the rails pretty quick when they're trying to do things or or they're even like a Windows account, like they're trying to set up something, but their computer, their computer is not even ready because the custodians are still cleaning it. So, yeah, I gave you an account that's useless to you uh, or just I mean, all kinds of things like that. So this has been a year, though, um, where it didn't work out for the PD to be early. So now we've really kind of messed ourselves up because we, for a couple of years, did accounts early when other PD is not happening. So now we're, they're like, yeah, you, I mean, you made accounts early last year. What's different? Uh, and I've kind of felt like, cause it just didn't work out for the dates and stuff. But now I have, I did set this new precedent where sometimes June, July can be okay, but it's cause some PD was attached to it. So I've said on some papers literally this last week, um, I just did not, I didn't want to make accounts like early June, like that, that's insane to me because we've had it too, where they get hired in like May and before July even comes that they, they left mm -hmm. and oh, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. So I try for the first two weeks of July. Final answer. Like it. Uh, so we, the, the volume of accounts that we have to create is a little bit higher than, than yours, obviously. So yeah. our, our process is, it is automated. humble brag. Why do you do well, that? hang on a second. Why do you hang do on that? Second. Hang on a second. <laughs> Years ago, when it was manual, this was like a you know a a very painful process. And when yes. I first started, I was getting the whole like, "Hey, it's been two months. Do you think uh, so and so can get an account yet?" <laughs> but it, that was part of it was because it was manual. Because like when it's manual, things fall through the cracks. So mm -hmm. um, it is now it's fully automated for us where an employee when they're hired, sorry, excuse me, when their, their start date is 48 hours prior to their start date, they're going to get an email with like, here's the info again. That's awesome. Uh, there's the, this is with a little asterisk on top of it though. 
my problem today, and I and this is a very topical question for me or topic, is that our human resources department is processing an enormous amount of information uh, at this time of year during the, the summertime. And they don't always get everything in place in time for the employee start date. Yep. And then people come down to us and said, I started two days ago. I haven't gotten my account yet. I was told to come. Really sorry. I know it makes sense that you're talking mm-hmm. to IT about your account, but unfortunately it's it's a it's up to HR to finish the paperwork so the system can kick off. The- Let me, I'm going to speak to that and then I'll give it back to you. We went with level data and we've talked about this in a previous episode and we did that with students um, and that like fixed all kinds of things because yeah, there's no Google account. There's no Windows account unless it's proper in SIS. And yeah. I get to just plainly say that and it's just done. They and other companies that, that do that kind of integration can do that with faculty and staff. And it sounds like you do that, Mark, and I'll let you speak to that. But we have this issue where our uh, SysFin and, and how our central office works, it's not, we can't rely on that for active and inactive employees um, mm-hmm. because we might have employees legit leave, but they remain active in that program. So we can't rely yeah. on it. Or yeah. we have the same thing where the admin building may be behind and they don't look at, they're not worried about that employee being fully in there until like the first paycheck's coming. Yep but we care about it for the first day of their employment and it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I've been able to use it as kind of a forcing factor to say like, Hey, this is we're in 2022. You cannot do a job without your account. So I really need this hiring process to speed up a bit. I really need to make sure that when somebody starts, they are fully hired. But I I also, I I believe that we should be giving someone their account much, much earlier uh, because you got teachers who want to prep for the year. And if, and the way it works, the teacher contract starts like a few days before the school year starts. And that means that a teacher is prepping, if a, a brand new teacher is prepping for the new school year without their account, without access to their applications, without access to Clever, all that kind of stuff. So I'm actually pushing for it to be done earlier, like as soon as a teacher has kind of signed their paperwork and they're they're hired. But um, it's that's not my it's not my decision. That was mm-hmm. more of an auditing. That was above my. So at this point, unfortunately, teacher has to wait until pretty much their hire date until they have an account or their, sorry, the start date. Right. Well, I, so I agree with you, Mark. Um, I actually spent time in the classroom teaching and that was before everything was digital. And I can't even imagine what it would be like walking in in August and trying to get everything ready and wow. just now having access to that. I said I was a teacher and I got destroyed from Chris and Josh. Hey, Chris, I know I was. We Mark's different. God, I need like my Josh Eric, soundboard right now. Eric yeah. passed. Eric, he, like he passed no, 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 all it's the. Cool. It's he, cool. It's cool. It's cool. No, it, it it explains why why Mark and I are on a on a same wavelength here, and you and Josh share a different one. We're, we're like. We're philosophical about that. I don't, Eric, okay. don't, don't do that. Just... And Chris is just, uh, maybe gets through a full question, maybe jumps into <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> Listen, Eric, just get back. Just read the script, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So right now my baseline, just, just so I answer the question is I need a technology user agreement and to know that they've made it through the HR system. But I, I had, um, questions coming in in April were like, hey, we got a new coach hired. I can't do that. <laughs> that's that's way too early. Uh, but I completely understand. And maybe we'll, we'll all come to some agreement. But I, I see other school districts doing it in May and April. And I, I don't think there's a good, a great answer at this point. Um, I, 
I like the higher date, but then there's also the element of teachers need to be able to start preparing as soon as possible. Like there's no clock for teachers when they're actually employed. They're just working. So I like that's it. my answer. Yep. What about deep provisioning? When do you disable the accounts? I, well, I tell our teachers who are leaving that they got 30 days to get all their stuff and go. That's about me. <laughs> Sound like such a cruel way. You got 30 seconds. Pack up your crap yeah, and get pack out. Pack your bag. So I, I one time at the end of summer, um, I said, you've got until August or I said like three months or something. And then we had a teacher start like sending all building emails that were really nasty. And so they're, they're calling me like, shut her down, shut her down. And so we, if you resign, it, it, it kind of depends on how you leave. If your resignation or whatever is immediate, then it's immediate. Yeah, if it's yeah. more of a retiree kind of bit, then I usually give like mid, I think it's mid July and I give some warning emails and I actually, yeah. I try to do the good thing of helping them get off to get off our yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 We Google it, takeout. I don't do Google takeout. So th- is this me yeah. being, I, so I don't, we can unpack that super quick. We oh, own all sorry, their crap. I'm, I'm off script here. Yeah. We like all their stuff is ours. So like, I don't make it easy for like, if you want to take it, you're going to do the old school way of like clicking and downloading it. Like I'm not helping you. Like, I'm telling you to pack, but I'm not helping you pack. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Google Takeout off. Is that me being I a jerk? Sh- no, I think it's no. it's a good policy. It's I I realized that this year because we'd had it on for a long time. Is that I put this huge disclaimer? I say you need to look over all the stuff that you're taking out and take out because you don't want any PII in there or anything. Yes, because uh, I I just think takeout's really dangerous, especially in a school when they could have spreadsheets worth of student IDs and student information. There's just a lot in there. So I blame Mark. He asked us about deprovisioning. The question was about provisioning. So yeah, unbelievable. <sighs> I, uh, we could do, we'll take out or all those tools and staff downloading data and taking slippery. That's slope. a whole episode. That's a whole episode. Slippery slope. Okay. Let's talk, Eric, I'm going to let you take this one. I well, oh, wait, never mind. I'm t- on oh. back. I want to talk oh. about info blocks. And then we're going to talk about k12techpro.com. But Infoblox, uh, Josh and I hung out with them uh, on a Zoom call earlier this week. Uh, they're a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, and we wanted to talk to David there, David Case. Um, learn more about Infoblox because we've talked. I think this is episode three where we're talking about them. So just the, a couple little nuggets if you're interested in what they are, what they do. Uh, for one, they've been around for like 20 years. Uh, so I know they were new to me. Josh knew about them and, and could talk about them a little bit. Uh, but to hear that they had been around for 20 years was this ish. Don't 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 quote me on that particularly, uh, but around 20 years. So they will help you. So they talked about um, and this is true for us, uh, IP addresses and what static is in use in the whole bit on, on the public side of things, how schools typically or even businesses do a lot of spreadsheet, a uh, little note taking of that. They help you with that. Uh, they have a portal for that. They can do things so that you're not relying on, you know, kind of handwritten, old school, I typed it out kind of documentation. Uh, it's a, they're a little bit tricky to unpack. They, they, they do DNS, but don't think of them as like just a sinkhole, like black hole DNS. Uh, they talked about they have AI stuff and they inspect DNS packets in flight. So it's not like it's... They kind of open our eyes a little bit. And again, they want you to talk to them. Uh, and we, we, we talked about this in, in K-12. I just want you to pitch it to me in like 30 seconds. 
you know, is it a device I put on prem? Is it cloud based? What it what is it? Well, they can do different things for you uh, and they complement your uh, like your next gen antivirus. So I talked about how I have carbon black. They will work with carbon black. I have Palo Alto firewall that already does some DNS things. They will help you with that. So they're another tool that you add into the mix of all those things. So if you're looking at your firewall, if you're looking at your antivirus uh, and you're still concerned as you should be about malware getting in and typically that can come in pretty easily with DNS stuff. DNS is kind of a thing that's, I mean, we use DNS. So, so they can look at DNS in flight. They have some AI stuff that they do, but then here's where you should just talk to them. They have on-prem stuff. They have cloud stuff. Uh, they can, but they want to talk to you and learn about you. And then they tell you, okay, this is what would work for you uh, based upon what you're talking about. Because if you're a school, not like me, that you haven't made a decision to go with like a carbon black or a Sentinel one or whatever, they can help you differently than a school like me that's already made that kind of choice. Uh, so it's David Case is who you should hit up. D Case at Infoblocks, I N F O B L O X dot com. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. No, I, I looked it up on their website earlier. I'm intrigued. Yeah. And like, a, well, and well, I'm going to say it on here and then David's probably going to email me and say, why did you say that? But the thing about them that I'm trying to figure out for K-12 is, again, I like to hear and I think I just have to take this hat off and, you know, OK, I like to hear exactly what like what are you offering? But then they come and they say, well, we offer quite a bit. We need to have a conversation about it. I don't necessarily like that. Uh, I, I just like to like look at the like, give me the two paragraphs and let me make my own decision. But that's not how they work. And it's not like this is some new startup company that's trying to decide something new. They've been around for 20 years. So there's a reason that they want to have the conversation with you. Yeah, they got a lot to offer. So check them out, infoblocks.com. Okay, here we go. This is Eric's, Eric, listener Wait. Eric. <laughs> this is Eric's submitted, submitted question. Oh, okay. We're going to, I've talked way too long and we're going too long. So I'm going to cut some of these words. Oh, no, Eric, hold on. I'm going to reel it back. I'm reeling it back. Eric, talk about K12 Tech Pro. Oh, com. the premier place to <laughs> land if you want information <laughs> about what's going on in k-12 tech no so uh check it out uh, we're trying to post articles as regularly as possible we hit the end of the school year and vacations and stuff so there's a uh we got some articles that have been up there for since may um we're trying to get some new stuff posted but definitely check it out we're trying to hit up all the aspects of what it means to be a K-12 tech. And I think Chris has talked about it here on the podcast before that we're, we're using it as a place to expound on things that are talked about on the pod, but also maybe it's a place for people uh, to maybe get philosophical about K-12 tech. That, that's my role. Um, or to get a little information about um, how to set up a Nintendo switch to work um, NAT rules and things like that. So, we also have a great place a community and we're trying to build this is a, a good place for K-12 techs from all over the place to get on and, and converse um, about what they've got going on. So check it there's out. A, there's a cool message board on there. Uh, we're on there hanging out. And yeah, Eric wrote, it's actually super good, but it's this long title, Elevating Education, Advancing Technology and All Things That Plug Into the Wall. Yeah. And it is that. a beautiful piece of K-12 tech article. Uh, I write things and Eric proofreads it and completely makes it better. But Eric's <laughs> is legit. Anyways, check out take, K, 
check out k12techpro.com. Okay, now to finish it out, Eric texted a question kind of thing, and this is how uh, we're going to Yeah, end. this was me. Okay. I thought this okay. was a different listener, Eric. No, it's you. Okay. Your listener, Eric. Mark is texting Josh and mouthing me. Chris is a mess tonight. He's all over the place. Mark, <laughs> I can see the text. Oh, you're on that? <laughs> anyway, here we go. Here's the question. Oh, wait. Here's the question. What's something you want to improve? It's a two, it's a two pointer. Two part, two part. Yeah. What's something you want to improve from last school year? And what's something you're really proud of? Philosophical. Yeah. Chris, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to start with something lame, um, but I'm proud of it. Uh, We've been going around classroom to classroom and we bought these like little tubs uh, and we're organizing all the cables, spending the 30 whatever minutes to literally untangle every cable that's in a classroom, smart board cable, projector cable, the whole bit, making it look all nice and neat in this container. And then we put a lid on it and we say tech department only. But now literally you can, un- and, and we put in new uh, conduit and new wall plates. So literally you can unplug from the wall, lift up container if it's not already on the desk, but put it on the desk and pull it out and you're done and over it. And literally you can put the desk back in, plug those things in and you should be cooking. And it's, we're about halfway over halfway done going to every single classroom. It's this weird thing because that's small investment, but it's made our rooms look a lot better. So I'm proud of that. Uh, So that's going to continue on next school year. We're getting close to being done with that. And then, uh, uh, so I'm proud of that. So then improve upon would be uh, our documentation. Um, I've actually made a ticket, a legit project ticket for us uh, to start documenting things well. Uh, And I started on an actual documented disaster recovery plan. Uh, I have my kind of very top level done. Now our network administrator is going to work on that. I'm hoping we knock that out this coming year. I like it. I like the idea of just uh, making things look better. Things feel better in tech when, when you don't have wires running everywhere. It's helped troubleshooting um, because you know, like a video splitter, a teacher for good or for bad will try to troubleshoot that. Well, that's in the box. We say don't open the box. So it's helped some of those small issues. I like it. I'm going to go with, I, you know, I, I, I had to think about this one for a minute, but there's something really, really small that I don't think I've actually said that I'm really proud of this one. But but we, when we pivoted to remote, our, our school board meetings, so you had to go remote as well. And it's, it, it's a very, very drawn out or very technical process because we have multiple languages for interpretation live during the meeting and multiple people and lots of stuff going in and out. And I'm really proud that like in the beginning, I had to be hands-on for every minute of that meeting, every part of it. And now I'm to the point where like a month or two ago, we had a, a little bit of an interruption during the meeting. Uh, and the, the I guess the, the school committee secretary just handled it quickly. And so for me, I'm just proud of the fact that even though I'm still on the meeting as more of like a moral support, mm-hmm. uh, the handoff that just has happened gradually over time, she's she's handled that meeting so well. And so it's really nice to see a very complicated technical project by somebody who's always very afraid of or nervous about technology. And now she's got it on hold. So I feel like I can just sunset my from that. That's awesome. That resonates <laughs> with me. It's a current problem. So 
something I want to improve. Uh, definitely, Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head around disaster recovery. I, I even said this just yesterday to somebody, that, you know, you never actually plan for disaster recovery until it, it's too late. So I really want to focus on that. I'm with you. And Eric, answer Ooh. your own question. Oh, man. So um, we utilized ECF for a lot of student and staff devices and made some big switches in the middle of the school year, something we'd never done before. And I'm, I'm proud of the fact that my team was able to do that in the middle of the school year. And we were able to simplify the process enough that we just sent them out and then collected them back. Um, and my goal was minimal disruption to the learning environment. And I, I really think that we were able to accomplish that. And that put us on a path, uh, K-12, to not have this device in this building, that device in that building, and constantly switching out. So I'm really proud of that and, and happy about that. Uh, something I want to improve upon is definitely uh, being able to document and track all of our contracts in a better manner. I, I have them in a, a spreadsheet. But I, I feel like I'm always coming up like I have an SSL cert that, that's going to expire. And I'm like, oh, no, did I do a PO for that? So trying to be more proactive with all of my uh, POs, contracts, things that are going to be coming due, not letting things lapse before the company saying, hey, you're, you're 30 days past due. So I, that's just one of those things that our business office was like, oh, my goodness, you have more contracts and um, subscriptions than anybody else in this district combined. And I think that's something we often forget about. and trying to put a good uh, process to track that in, in place for this next year. You ever let us SSL cert expire? Go ahead. Oh, uh, once you let it happen once and you don't do it again. Notice he said we, cause he's trying to blame his team. That's so <laughs> <laughs> you ever let a Microsoft um, license expire? You ever live in office 2016? <laughs> That's a long time ago, boys. Yeah. I'm behind. All right. That's a wrap. It's been a real pleasure, Ooh. Eric. Wow. <laughs> what a ride, guys. Josh, who? Wild. Well, he'll come back to a new cryptocurrency and NFTs. And he'll, I'm sorry, Josh. Yeah, NFT. I need to buy some. Gotta yeah. go.